Hi guys, you're listening to Creatrix Culture and I'm Jess, I'm a conscious relationship coach and I am co-hosting with the beautiful, lovely, talented Sarah Wolf. And today we have Joe Sparrow with us and I'm so excited, Joe, that you're here. Um, and just to introduce Joe, he's an LA-based pop and R&B singer and songwriter and producer. And what I love about him is that he writes about the darker aspects of relationships, including topics like sex addiction, love addiction, infidelity, obsession, and the complexities of modern dating. So Joe and I were having a conversation last week, and there was so much gold in this conversation, you guys, like just for me and my own process with what I'm experiencing, that I was like, we need to have Joe on this podcast. So Thank you, Joe, so much for being here. I'm so grateful and I'm excited for what's going to unfold when we Yeah, talk. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, even the the preamble we just had before we were recording was pretty lit. We were already getting into <laughs> reincarnation and, you know, law of one, course in miracles. Mm -hmm. So I know it's going to be good. I'm excited. Totally. So excited. And uh, something that is has just been in in my field and in the field, I feel like in, in society and culture right now with relationships and healing and moving into these like higher realms of relating is there's a lot of lower level frequencies that are coming up to be really worked through and cleared so that we have the opportunity to connect on a higher plane with each other, right? So what Joe and I were discussing last week, and it was actually like my own process was like going through lessons kind of over and over again and reaching like deeper layers of a similar lesson. So for me, there's been a lot of experience of abandonment and I have abandonment wounding and there's also attachment trauma that I've been working through and healing. And so I've had, I've been calling it abandonment university like the last like couple of weeks. And I'm like, and, and, you know, so it was just really helpful, Joe, to, to talk to you about it and both in like the 3D perspective of like, yeah, this is fucking hard and painful and bringing stuff up and also the higher levels of it. Like when we're bringing in ideas or not ideas, but like teachings like the law of one and the course in miracles and, and spiritual teachings that are supporting us in this human experience. So I really have a question, but like, yeah, no, I, I, I no, I, so one thing that, I think would be a good like thing to say for me at the beginning of any conversation like this is, um, you know, there was something, there was a, a line that stuck with me for a long time. And I heard it, I, I want to say like sophomore year chemistry class, I had a science teacher and he said this line to me and it's like stuck with me because it's very useful. He said, all scientific models are wrong. Some are useful. And so I think when we're trying to make sense of the world, make sense of dating, make sense of trauma, make sense of spirituality. It's all just different perspectives that are not inherently true. It's like, we're trying to get closer and closer to the truth, like science, like science, any scientific discovery can only be elevated to that of theory. It can't be elevated to fact because each, because kind of like e new information can always disprove that theory. Right. And so why I say that is because like, I think, I always have to look at like, how am I choosing? Is this a useful frame of looking at it? And you posted something today on your story, for example, that I really liked. You said your your question was kind of like, do you believe in the one, right? 
And that's like, for example, that's a certain model of looking at the world that's really common today. Like, like, oh, I'm finding my person or the one, right? And so people choose to believe that theory, but is it useful? And and you like very eloquently were like, I don't think that's useful. And I would agree with you. I think that's like one of these fantasies that leads people down the wrong direction of what a relationship's supposed to be. This idea of the one, it's this magical thinking that it's a fantasy that's like, you're going to meet a person who you said it's like perfect for you. Everything goes smoothly. They sweep you off your feet. Everything's perfect and happily ever after. But in reality, like I think more realistically and like what you're talking about with like abandonment university, I think it's a better frame, which is relationships, especially intimate relationships are the highest mirror of like how, and catalyst of your growth. Sometimes that growth is positive. Sometimes that growth feels good and you're feeling the invigoration of positive emotions. Sometimes it's immensely painful. And I think that the challenge is, is that like, we assume we have this kind of assumption that a feeling that's when we feel pleasure, we feel a positive emotion, it's good. And when we feel a negative emotion, it's bad, but kind of in the largest spiritual framework, in my opinion, in the largest spiritual framework, it's all God. It's all good. Everything, whether it's the deepest suffering is just as spiritual as the highest ecstasy and bliss you can have. And so relationships just evoke those strong emotions, whether it's like abandonment, abandonment university or overwhelming, like I'm falling in love with this person, but they evoke those really strong elements of spirituality. So I think like, yeah, that idea of like what models that I think, and that's, what's being the reason I think there's so much um, discord and conflict around dating and relationships today is because the old models of looking at relationships are people are seeing that they're bullshit mm -hmm. and in real time they're seeing that they're not working right it's like we're talking about this idea of like getting married and like the one and then when you look at the numbers it's like over 50 percent of marriages end in divorce like there's a disconnect between reality and what we're told from every movie that you ever watch every disney channel disney movie and reality right? Every, like half of people's parents, it's like, there's a disconnect. So these, I think why I think conversations like this is cool. What you guys are doing is cool is that the world needs new models and new frames of relationships, like desperately, like, and I always talk about this with my friends who are like, who are trying to, you know, work on themselves and have better relationships. It's like, who do we have to model our relationships off of? There's like basically no one. It's crazy. Like who, like you think about it in your life. Like I have no one really that I admire who I'm like, oh, I want their relationship. Very few people. So in a way, I do feel like this age we're in, we're kind of on the cutting edge of being pioneers of like reforming what that really means. And it's like fun, it's exciting, but it's challenging. And so there's a lot of like experimentation, making mistakes, having to pull things from different sources. Um, but yeah, that was a big rant. So I'll, oh, I'll stop talking, but yeah. I, um, I think there's like, as what's so interesting about this time is like, as we evolve spiritually, it's like everything's getting rewritten. So of course the, the relationship sectors also going to get written. I'm a byproduct of the programming of there's the one, right? And like now there's like the one of many and in each each 
time that I level up, there's a new one <laughs> in a sense, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but then as we continue down a path and as we continue to evolve, that's why there can't, unless they're evolving too, there can't be the one because they, if they can't, if they don't want to evolve and raise their vibration, so to sense of everything's energy. So like by naturally, if, you start a relationship here and one person is starting to elevate in whatever way that looks like. And the other per person doesn't want to meet them right by the laws of energy. It, it's just gonna, you're going to outgrow. You're going to have to separate because you're on different vibrational uh, yeah. places. Right. So that's where in, in like in spiritual growth, actual marriage doesn't really work. Because if not, if both parties aren't doing the work to continue to elevate, it's just, that's why it's going to end anyway, right? So if everyone's not committed or they're chose to do that in this life, there's so many layers with it. Cause then you can go into also sacred contracts. Like we contract to our souls to come and play certain roles for each other and contracts end and move on. So then you end and move on, right? And then it's like, but then which ones do we stay and work it out with? Which ones do we not? Which ones like come in to play a major role to catalyst you through that darkness into a better self? I feel like we're just in such a pivotal point where there's just so many like angles to the whole game that I think it is shifting into us having, like you were saying, like a new structure of relationships because right now i don't know if anyone is where we're going mm -hmm. so i don't know if anyone can fully model it they, they can't so because we're going somewhere that even in our own consciousness as far as we know we've never been yeah yeah exactly and that that's this is like my point and my my little rant yesterday on my instagram like i was like in a ranty kind of because i'm like guys like wake the fuck up like this is such a profound opportunity the mirror of yourself that you will be shown in partnership and the opportunity there to clear out anything that's not the truth of who you are and work together in like a spiritual way to elevate and expand is a, is a profound opportunity and because of this programming around like the one and, oh, it'll just work and I'll just know. And like, there's a light gonna shine down from the heavens and be like, oh, here it is. Like that is a harmful idea. And it really prevents us from these opportunities of liberating ourselves because there's not gonna be many other places that we're gonna see these things for ourselves other than in romantic partnership. Cause that's the closest that you are to someone. So the mirror of that is gonna reveal to you anywhere that you're not yet free. And if the goal is to be a, a free and sovereign being, it's a, it's really an opportunity. And so, you know, but it, it is a place where like this, a lot of people aren't fully even aware of this concept, right? So things come up and then they think like, oh, well, like it's not a fit. So let me just throw in the towel. Like I got triggered. They got triggered must mean that we're not you know, going to be able to work this out. So let's just go our separate ways. And then what happens is you end up dating the same person in a different body. Like if you don't do your work, which is what you were saying, Sarah Wolf, like if you don't do your work around what's showing up for you, it's coming back around, whether it's in this avatar or the next, like not to say that we have to stay in every relationship, but just saying that 
I think because the old model is so is so dated and it really doesn't apply anymore, hence the 50% divorce rate, we need to re we need that to be dismantled and rebuild a new way of relating because there is no frame of reference. We don't have a frame of reference for how to do this, which is why I'm so passionate about the work that I do in the world because there is a way and guess what? It does get messy sometimes, but it's okay. Like the messiness is all part of the process to just clear out things that aren't serving us so that we can then continue to elevate and expand and grow our own soul and our own soul's journey and in sacred union with someone, which is a path to ascension. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. I think what you're touching on too, that comes to mind is like expanding the definition of what success means in a relationship um what it means to have a successful relationship because i think a lot of the definitions are incredibly narrow incredibly like very specific and i don't know this example comes to mind that actually has nothing to do with relationships but it'll kind of prove like kind of i can bounce off of it so uh there's a a film director named robert rodriguez and he did like El Mariachi and he, you know, did from Dust Till Dawn. He's friends with Quentin Tarantino. And I heard him in an interview and he was talking about, he did this movie um, called Four Rooms, I think it was called. Um, And it was like this anthology movie with Quentin Tarantino and two other directors about a hotel uh, on New Year's Eve. And each got like one segment of the story. And so basically the movie was both a critical failure, like the critics hated it, and it was a commercial failure. Like it like didn't go well. And the inner, but he was saying, he was like, because he has this expansive, a more expansive view of abundance or success, he, what happened on set was he, he saw this family that was dressed up in tuxedos. So it was like a mom, a dad, and then a kid and two kids. And they were all dressed up because it was New Year's Eve. And he had this idea of like, oh, what if this was a spy family? That spurred the idea for Spy Kids, which ended up being like a billion dollar, his biggest success, a billion dollar like franchise, has a ride, all these movies, right? And what he said was, is like, if I hadn't done that movie, I may have never had that thought, that idea. So in his mind, that that film that he did was a huge success, didn't have the commercial size. So he removed the like very narrow of like, well, the critics didn't like it, and I didn't get a bunch of money from it, but he saw that if I hadn't done that experience, it wouldn't have let off in this place. Mm-hmm. So I say that because I think a lot of relationships are that way too, right? And like the length of the relationship, I don't think should have any bearing. Like I think letting go of the bearing of how, like you can have an incredible, I've had relationships that were two weeks long that were pivotal and really important that I really valued, that were really great, that have enough. And just because you didn't, go the whole way and like die in each other's arms or whatever when you're 80 doesn't mean that it wasn't successful right there are elements that i learned there experiences i had and i think a lot of the pressure and the pain from relationships is that we have this like attachment to what it's supposed to be and it's very binary it's like if you're not like if we're not walking down the aisle and doing all that then it's a huge failure and i think if we could just loosen that up and bring in the elements of growth and just having an experience is like when you go, even when you go on a vacation, right? It's like, you know, you're coming home, you know, it's going to end, but you don't go like, well, there's no point in the vacation, you know? So, and so I feel like for me, that's something that has really helped a lot with like 
enjoying the road, enjoying people, enjoying connections for what they're going to be because yeah. not every, it, it, it's unrealistic. And like you said, Sarah Wolf, like sometimes you just, you have a certain time with someone and then the energies for no fault of either person, maybe you grow separately, maybe whatever. And it's just, that was your time. You had a, you know, and I definitely relate on the soul contract thing. I've definitely had soul contracts with people for periods of time and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can loosen up the expectation that helps so much, but it's hard because you're going against, like we said, so much societal programming, so much just like fit into this box, get married, have the kid, get the job, get the mortgage, get the dog. You know, it's just the same, this thing. And, you know, people do it and then they are like, fuck, why did I do this? You know, but then there's so much momentum going in that direction that they can't turn it around. You know what I mean? It's hard. And so I'm just grateful that I personally am grateful that I never went that road, you know, and I have no plan on doing it, but it's like, the goal is to kind of create a world where other people don't aren't as seduced by that, you know, or that, that like, just, just fit in, just do what you're told, you know? I, I like never believed in that road. And then somehow I got put on that road. (laughs) It was like, I explained it like this. Like I was like me going through life. And then like, I fell into a hole and then I wasn't me for a really long time. And then I came back out and I was like, what the fuck was that? But I was in a relationship that I went, not the whole thing, but I went into marriage with, right? And the trajectory of it, it was like, there was a part of me that was settling. And like, I think deep down I knew it, but like from the shit show that I was coming out of, this was like the most calm thing I experienced. And even though these other elements like weren't there and weren't, showing up I was like oh I can just put those away because at least I feel safe enough in this to just keep it going and then it's like our parents liked each other and like just by like kind of like the outer view look at it it's like okay this can work right even though there was like a lot of layers that wasn't being fed or he couldn't really meet me in my complexity and he just wouldn't, I don't even, he just can't, couldn't. So anyway, I went through and I really wasn't seeing that the contract was over, but we can look at it in either way. Cause obviously the contract wasn't over, but it was, if that makes any sense. Cause um, like, they say like, uh, if it, if it, the way it turned out is the way it was supposed to turn out. Right. So we could look at it both ways. Part of the, the relationship was done, but I had to keep going to see it through to where it was. So we walk down the aisle and I don't realize at this point in my life, I am not happy in this relationship. I thought I just wasn't, well, you know, like the problems in my life were everything, but looking at this container and the moment after we said, I do, like literally the moment after we're turn around, we're walking away and spirit says to me, that was fun. Too bad. It's not going to last. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it was really loud. And then I'm like trying to hold on to this thing. Now we're married. So now there's a whole new layer of like expectation. I have no tools in my life at this time. Um, when it comes to relationships now, like looking back, I'm like, I, it's just crazy. And 
then he somehow starts going in the opposite direction. Like he just becomes like infantile in this relationship. And, but then it's like, well, now 120 people were at your wedding. You said, I do. You spent all this money doing it. You went to the courts, you signed these papers. You're like so locked into this. And because of more programming and religion, and I'm not religious, but just add another layer and that's still in the programming. I was raised Catholic. You've like told this person that you, no matter what sickness and health, that you're going to stay by their side and you just can't do it. So most people, we had a dog together. That's it. But you have the mortgage, you have the kids, you have all the banks are together. You might've started a business you have all this stuff. How are you possibly at this point? You don't want to disappoint the families. You don't know how to like, you're so locked into this thing that even for me, who we had nothing, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any businesses. We just had a dog. We had an apartment. It was hard enough trying to unplug from this thing. Yeah. I, I was like, I see why people stay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we weren't even close on the same frequency anymore. And that's why it had to end. We weren't, and my spirit's needing to like elevate and he didn't want to come. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, 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 I was like, and if you would have told me that I had to go to the courts later to tell them or have them tell me and pay them a ton of money that they get to decide if this relationship is over or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that makes no sense. Well, there's like, the thing with marriage, like there's kind of two things that come to mind. There's the like practical element of marriage and then an idea of growth. Um, but the marriage element to me, it's like, there's, and maybe this is the more uh, cynical conspiracy side of me, but, you know, marriage to me is a, like, why is the government incentivized to like keep families together or to have people get married and mm -hmm. you know this is me this is, these are my own theories some of it's i mean i think when you encourage people to get married young to in, in ingratiate have children um you have less time once you get married and once you have kids like you don't have time to think about what the banking system is doing you don't have time to think about what the government's up to you have to feed your kids you're much easier you have a lot to lose you i have never of, thought about that like that you yeah you have points of leverage that you can be controlled right uh -huh. so who are the most in what are the most dangerous groups of people it's it's single young men right in their late teens early 20s that's who causes revolutions so if you can get those men saddled with mortgages children wives right they become more docile, they become distracted. And so I think a lot of the, and, and, and society becomes more stable overall when people are monogamous. When you look at monogamous societies, they're like the part of the reason of the success of success of societies is like monogamy is societally and enforced by these government policies because it's more stable. When you have a hype, when you don't have monogamy in societies, you see that it becomes much like fewer men are sleeping with more women and society becomes because of that single men group that isn't dating anyone or with, isn't with anyone they become they create political unrest and mm -hmm. so to me i see marriage very much as like 
a function of control, right? And historically, especially, it's been a function of control against women as well, right? Yeah. To keep win, and so it's it's a control of that male group. But obviously, you know, that's why there's been such push pushes against it because it was a way to control women and control women's sexuality, especially because arguably, like you know, uh, women's sexuality is like one of the strongest forces in the world, mm -hmm. and so if you can put a container on that. And you can have these limitations on it. You can control women and like keep it in a box. And so I see marriage as like at least the instant. I think there's a big difference between partnership and marriage. Marriage is like a, a business contract that you're bringing in the state, which to me just makes no sense when yeah. you really think about it that way. And people conflate that with walking down the aisle and like love and all that and those are just if you it's like it's it's well, even just that as, in itself that whole thing right like I mean, the yeah. whole walking i mean this stuff has been implanted in us since like i mean look at all the cartoons and the disney movies and the this and then that like we've been implanted especially women program like, yeah and women I never, especially I, and I never cared about marriage. Like I never like fantasized my wedding or when it just like happened, I'm like, I guess I'm going to do this now. And it actually ended up in a princess dress. So it was like really bizarre, but I've never looked at it. That's a really interesting take. Cause I love good conspiracies and I love like that one's never popped in that way. Like, I'm like, that's some juicy shit right there. Like, yeah, yeah I can see that. I can see <laughs> Because why else would cool. like, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, re like religion, especially. So when you look at like really extreme evangelical Christians, for example, or extreme, any kind of extreme religion, like they're hyper, what they're high, they don't care about killing people. They pretend they're moral. They don't care about violence. They don't care about anything like that. They're very, very concerned with don't have sex before marriage. Don't be promiscuous. They're very, very concerned. That's like their number. Don't have abortion, right? They're hyper concerned with controlling sexuality. They're hyper console, concerned with like create a family lock in. And I think there's reason for that. Historically, religion was the was the primary, was a major form of social control. It's how you control people. And so I think that they learned that if you can control that, uh, you know, our desire to procreate, our desire for love is one of our strongest desires. So if you can co-opt that and direct it in the way that you want, you're mu you can control, control society in a much easier way. Because when you look at, like high tier society, they don't play by the same rules. Like marriage, they say like marriage was an institution for to control the middle class. Like the elite, the elite class, they kind of have these partnerships. They understand it's like a business, but then they're off doing their own thing. It's not the same. They don't have the same rules, you know, like mm -hmm. very wealthy people. They have these like agreements where like, you know, the, the husband can step out as long as you don't embarrass me and the wife can do things as long as it's not known about. And they just have different rules for it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's to me, it's all about it's a binary of like control and marriage. And there's a lot. Did you guys ever watch? Uh, did you guys ever watch the first season of True Detective? Mm -hmm. There's a line in it where this police officer like the detective in it is like confronting this um she's basically confronting this madam at a at a brothel and the madam being like wow this is like fucked up that you're doing this there's young girls here and she comes back at him and he's like you men always you know 
you always get into a tiff once women try and sell sex. And the reason is, is you realize you don't own it like you thought you did. And that line sticks with me. It's like this idea of like men wanting to control and own the sexuality of women, mm -hmm. because whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's a deep understanding of how powerful that is. And I think we're in a time where women are very much reclaiming their power and the power of their sexuality, but because it's so new, it's still messy and it's not clear yet, but there needs to be that balance from like the extreme masculine side of things to the feminine and the feminine side can be inherently chaotic. So we're like finding balance and we're in this time where like things are very messy and like, but it's good. I ultimately see it as a really, really good thing. Um, and I see all the like, I don't know if you guys have like tuned in with like all the like kind of culture war dating stuff going on right now. There's a lot of like online discourse around like modern dating and this kind of like feminist feminism versus like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Andrew Tate, those kinds of people. Have you guys heard of him? Mm -hmm. He's like a, he was like a, basically this figure that Rose like got very famous last year online. And he was like this very hyper-masculine traditional guy that was espousing like just like very old school police and he became very popular online with young men and it was this you're seeing this like this kind of war between men and women online right now around dating and around like er like men basically being like women have it better women be like men have it better and it's so interesting because to me i just see it as like yep all of this is dissolving and we're trying to find new footing with it you know mm -hmm. yeah and I love, I mean, the programming is so deep, right? Like I remember, I also was never like, oh, I want to get married and have kids. Like I never had that. I've always desired to have build a life with someone like in partnership. And part of that to me does look like getting married, but like not for these reasons. But I had to really sit with myself and be like, what do I actually desire? Like apart from the deep programming that's like been just we've been infiltrated with from the time we were tiny little babies, you know, like in society and TV and movies and all the things. And I had to get really clear on like, do I even want this thing that I think I want because I've been told that I should want it, you know? Mm -hmm. and so interesting what you were saying, Joe, too, because I really agree, like the length of a relationship does not determine like whether or not it was you know, a success or a failure. And I, I don't even like those words. And it's funny that you brought up like, it's all God because Sarah Wolf and I always say that on here. It's like nothing, there's no good, bad, right, wrong. Like it's just all part of the process. And that example that you gave of the man who like could have been seen as, oh, this was a failure, but then it was his jumping off point to like his biggest success, right? And so we don't know what leads to what leads to what leads to what. And so just keeping that openness of like, the possibilities of infinite possibilities rather than like, oh, and I know I can fall into this, like, oh my gosh, another situation where like this didn't work out, even though like blah, 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 right? In the 3D reality. But as long as we keep doing our work and elevating, we will then meet the frequency of that level of elevation and things will align for us in that way. But it's interesting because I have a client and she's like, she's a, such a sweetheart, like total gem absolutely beautiful, like really smart and just amazing. Right. And she's never been married. And she's, I think she's 51 and she's like, she, I have to pull this up because I actually wrote it down what she said. And it was basically like, you know, people always say to her, like, how could you, how are you not married? Like how basically looking at her, like what's wrong with you that you were never married. Right. 
and I have to find this thing because it was like what she said. It's like, oh, society accepts, right? Society accepts divorce, kids, single, like all of these things, right? But if you haven't been married, it's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like you haven't been married by X age. And she's like, I'm basically being judged for making like healthy decisions for myself that I didn't marry someone just for the sake of marrying someone. And it's like this idea that something is now, you know, wrong with her because she's this age and not married. Like totally. I mean, especially with women, like, cause I, so I have, I have two sisters and you know, I, I, both my sisters are married now, but there was, it's like my older sister got married when she was like 32, I want to say 33. But I just know that like, when we would go to like family, fun- extended family functions, they would ask her like, oh, so who are you dating? Like what, like what's going on there? They'd never ask me that, you uh-huh. know, and I'm single a lot. They'd ask me about my career, but they're never worried about me. And so with women, there's this like, are you married? Like, it's like, you're not able to be, um, it's like this, there's this thing of like, if you're not, if you're not with someone as a, as a woman, like, like you're incomplete. And well, that you're, is you're, so you can be a threat. There. You're a threat to like, because if you're like a good looking, younger, single woman, uh, you're a threat to other women. They treat you like shit. Um, I, cause like I spent the majority of my twenties single by choice. I was like, I don't, I live in LA. I'm like, just want to figure out my life. I don't want any attachment. And people like when I would go home, they would like question if I was like a lesbian, Mm -hmm. right? Like they couldn't figure out how I could just be like, it was just, it just started getting like really weird. So I think like partially too, like why when I'm, when my ex came along, I just kind of was like, I mean, I guess, you know, like, like get off know. my back people. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just kind of like, and I was living back in Minnesota at the time when I met him. And like, so I don't know, I'm like, maybe I just need to grow up and get off this like ride that I've been on and like, maybe just like stop for a minute and like, I don't, I don't know, put down roots with something. I don't know. Try it out. <laughs> you ever heard that? I, I love that saying, don't grow up. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like part of the dismantling of it, right. Is that we need to catch ourselves because I fall into this too. Like, I'm like, you know, I really, and part of it is what I desire. Like I really do desire to, to build a life of someone. I'm super open about that and all the things, but like, also, I can kind of go into that idea of like, wait, what? Like, why hasn't this happened for me yet? Like, this is so weird. And what it means about like when I'm having, you know, a challenging time in relationship or whatever, it can send me into that way of thinking because it's so ingrained in our society. So I think it's like catching that and noticing and then really shifting the perception, you know, in in our within ourselves. And then not because I remember, like, I tell this story all the time, but when I, when I was an occupational therapist, I used to work with geriatrics. Right. And they would always, always ask me, like, are you married? Like there was like a couple questions and that was always one of the questions. And I would always be so upset because I'm like, no, I'm not like, why does every single person have to ask me this question? And where I got to with it was like, cause it was so in my field. I was like, mid thirties and just, it was in my field. Right. So it kept coming, coming through the people around me asking this question. And so I finally got to the place where I was just like, 
I'm not going to let this bother me anymore. Like I, I, it just doesn't even mean anything about anything. It's like, it's not a reflection of who I am as a person. And I remember the last time somebody asked me, they were like, Hey, like, da, 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 are you married? And I was like, no. And then they would, they would always say like, how old are you? And then they would say, you better hurry up. <laughs> like Those were like two. And so what I said the next time that happened was like, what do you think I should do? Should I just like go out to the, on the street and like grab the first guy and, and marry him? And I just like made a joke out of it. Right. And from that day on, nobody ever asked me that question again. Literally. I don't think I've ever got the question again because I just in myself was like, I'm not getting hooked into this. And it, a lot of it was my own ideas around it that were keeping me feeling shitty about it versus like learning to trust the process of life. Like not everybody fits into and Dr. Dr. Shafali Sabari, who talks about conscious relationships and conscious parenting. And I love her. If you guys haven't checked her out, highly recommend. And she says like, there's this one blueprint that was created by God knows who probably people who want to control everything. And it's like, if we don't fit into this blueprint, then something is wrong, but it's like, no, we all have our own journeys and experiences and lessons. And so it doesn't even make logical sense that it's like, okay, by X age, this would happen by X age, this would happen. It just isn't even logical or rational. So we need to question that, you know, and really release ourselves from the ideas, even though they're being imposed from every angle. Mm -hmm. Well, and it doesn't, mean anything anyway like being someone who got married and divorced I don't feel like it only lasted a year and a half I don't feel like I was ever married what this idea of what a husband should be I didn't have it so it's hard for me to even call him my ex-husband because he it it's just like I kind of wish it just never happened like I would rather be like I've never been married because that's what it feels like I've never been married I'm like I don't even know what marriage is that was not marriage so we just yeah. said some words and signed a paper and threw a party and now it's like this whole other like viewpoint but it wasn't that yeah so it, it's yeah. all one like the, really weird what were you gonna say Joe? Court, well i just i heard this in your story when you talked about getting married and maybe i'm off on it but it it reminded me of like one of the core like uh, there's a core binary of the human experience that I see play through everything. And it's kind of, we have two, we go towards two, there's two different elements we can go. We can go towards safety and comfort, which makes sense. Like we want safety, we want comfort, or we can go towards growth and freedom, mm -hmm. but they're fundamentally at odds with each other. Right. And we, mm -hmm. we know this on a very intuitive level, the most basic level is just when you think about exercise, right? Like, in order to stay, if you go for the safety comfort, that means eating potato chips on your couch, that's safety, that's comfort, that's nice. Working out is uncomfortable, but it leads to growth, right? Physical mm -hmm. growth, all sorts of things. And so I think that that model, I, like when I, when I think about like models of looking at the world, I sometimes always distill it down for myself of like, am I going towards safety and comfort, which feels from an evolutionary standpoint, something that I'm gonna be driven towards, right? Cause I wanna survive and I wanna be safe. Um, maybe there's trauma that's like in the way that's telling me mm -hmm. like, oh, I need to be safe. Or am I going towards like expansion and growth which is what my soul really wants. Mm -hmm. And in my belief, like in my belief structure that's the entire reason we're here. Everything is about mm -hmm. growth. 
And so yeah. if I, anything that happens to me, can I extract growth from it? And that can, and, and realizing that pain is a fundamental part of growth, mm-hmm. some kind of pain and like embracing that pain, you know? And, um, I like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about how like he reframed physical pain. Like when he was lifting weights, he like loved it because he knew that each rep of pain meant he was getting stronger and it was getting him closer to his goal. So I'm always thinking about like, can I reframe pain and have this idea of like what's healthy pain, which is like your muscles expanding and what's unhealthy pain, which is like touching a hot stove. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think like spiritual mastery comes in and like self-awareness of like, Jess, you talked about it. It's like, if I'm repeating the same relationship over and over again, re-traumatizing myself the same way over and over again with the same kind of person, I don't necessarily think that's good pain. I think, or like, I don't want to use good and bad, but that's not necessarily healthy pain. It's like, I'm touching the hot stove. Oh, is it still hot? But there's the- Productive pain. Yeah, productive. Yeah, that's a better word. Like, thank you. That's a better word. But there's a productive pain of like, where it's like, I really want to reach out to this person that I know is bad for me, but I'm not going to. And I'm going to feel the pain of like, I really want to, but I'm feeling withdrawal and I'm not going to do it. That's productive pain. That's a pain of growth. And it's going towards something different, a contrary action. And so in your story, Sarah Wolf, it was like, it sounded like some of getting married was like, you know what, let me try out this. I've been seeking growth. I've been seeking freedom. Let me try out this safety comfort route for a sec and get this person. And you're like, actually, fuck that. I don't like it. I'm going back to to the growth, which is great. And I think that a lot of people, they, their entire lives is built around, like, I just want to be safe, you know? Okay. I have a person. Okay. I have a job. I just want to know where to go nine to five. I just want to watch Netflix at the end of the day. I just want to, okay. And it's just always like the next safety thing. And you lose your whole life that way. Mm-hmm. And you're just constantly seeking safety. You're constant. And like, to me, the, a lot of it is just when you look at things like the opiate crisis or the obesity crisis, like I don't have any judgment around those things. Like addiction is addiction and it's, there's a lot of pain. I, I don't judge it, but I do think it's an example of like the extremes of comfort seeking behavior right mm-hmm. the extremes of it where it's so you're seeking so much pleasure and comfort that is literally killing you mm-hmm. and i think that um that idea in relationships applies too where it's like we can i heard something recently too about comfort that i really liked as well where like if you have maladapted so if you have some kind of trauma comfort doesn't necessarily always mean feeling good it can just mean familiar something mm-hmm. that's known so like you know that's why it's like if you grew up with physical abuse you might end up in a physical a physically abusive relationship because that's comfortable to you that's familiar to you it's known and so it's not always does it comfort us doesn't always mean like actually comfortable like safety or cozy it can sometimes just mean like familiar and so i think that that kind of binary i really always love to think about in my own life because that's the like every day that's that struggle am i going towards like it's a constant like am i going to just do the comfy thing comfortable thing or am i going to go towards growth and i think relationships it's a really really good arena to like practice that in like Mm -hmm. big time but it's not easy totally and and joe i know like the reason i i resonated with you so much is that 
when I hear you speak about just your journey with relationships and the things that have come up for you. And I resonate a lot in terms of like, just the attachment, like working through the attachment wounding and, and working through, like, I don't know if you, if you relate to the abandonment kind of experience, but hearing you speak and, uh, and hearing about your journey and how far you've come is really beautiful because it's really easy to sit here and like talk about all these concepts. Right. But then when trauma comes in and like takes the wheel and we're in a nervous system response or we're in a triggered state and we're feeling like completely dysregulated, it can be really, it, that's a whole other story, right? Which is why doing the work on ourselves and the healing is so important because then we can become more and more and more free without getting hijacked by these experiences, which come up often in ro romantic relationship, right? Totally. And, yeah. And I know you and I, like, you're actually the reason why I started doing EMDR because we talked, I think it was like last, maybe like Thanksgiving or something like last year, late last year, and you were sharing with me how much it's helped you. And so I started going and it's really helped me so much because as much as. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I, as many tools as I have, and I have a lot, and as much progress as I've made, and it's a lot, there's still pieces and threads of like old stuff that come up. And that's just the nature of relationships, I believe. Like, especially if you desire the kind of relationship that I know all of us desire. Like, we're not here for the surface level BS. Like, we're here to like go in and go deep and like do the do the work. And and also what you said too about your soul, like the the safety and comfort versus what was it, growth and expansion or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, like sometimes I get frustrated because I really am a little tired of like the expansion. Like I'm like, can I just chill for a bit? Like I am happy to do the work, but like, can it just, can it ease up a little? But my soul is kind of like, no, it can't. Like you're doing this anyway. But we, you and I had connected, you know, about an experience that I had where somebody who I felt like was really showing up and meeting me. And he really was like, he was meeting me and meeting me and meeting me. And it was one of the first times I've ever had that experience. And then something came up like outside kind of forces came into the container that we had built and like a rupture happened. And then his reaction was to like, just pull the ripcord. Right. And for me, that sent me into my stuff of like the abandonment attachment like feeling and so for people listening like if you're having that experience there i want to speak to it because it's really real and it's something that we can we can heal and here's the kicker here's really the kicker is like if this stuff doesn't come up we don't even know what we have to look at to heal so like for me i'm like i've come so far like i am really fucking proud of myself honestly and here, this is again, like a deeper layer of the onion, you know? And Joe, I know you were saying when we talked, like you, you've now gotten to the point, which is, this is like my goal point, right? Like, is like, if something's getting activated and it's not 
from, and you can correct me if I phrase this, like if it's not exactly what you're saying, but like, if something comes up where you're getting triggered, triggered, triggered into the like wounding over and over, you just say, no, thank you. Right. And you're able at this point to like, let go and detach and kind of choose another road. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, well, first of all, I think it's, I, I, you mentioned that the other day, how like you started EMDR after our conversation, which I didn't realize that's fucking sick. I, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of EMDR. Um, it's uh, eye movement uh, reprocessing the sense of sensation or the order or something like that. But it's like, you know, trauma therapy, it's, it's incredible. Like, and um, yeah, one thing that you're kind of talking about that I just didn't really have awareness of for a long time is how powerful the nervous system is um, and how much we are really ruled by our nervous system responses, which are not conscious, like not, those aren't conscious responses. And I think you made a great point, which is like, you know, and I, I'm very um, probably, as you can tell from listening to me speak, like I love philosophy. I love history. I love like these kinds of conversations. I love conceptual things. And I think it's all super interesting. And I think it's so important um, to like kind of talk in this way and like have these like philosophical ideas. But like you mentioned, there's a difference between like, there's a line in the matrix I love, which is like, Morpheus says this to Neo and he goes, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And that's very true, you know? And I love that line. And I think about like, you can have all, it's kind of like, you know, once again, to use a working out analogy, it's like, you can know, you can have like a perfectly outlined workout routine and diet routine and like know what to do. But if you don't do it, you're still not going to be in good shape, you know? And so I completely agree with you. There's a big difference between knowing these things intellectually and doing it. And I think what's so interesting about what you're talking about with specifically abandonment stuff is that the attachment stuff is like really stored. I learned this in, in, in therapy, which was so interesting that we have like two hemispheres of the brain. So we have the left side of the brain, which is our logical verbal part of the brain where we can store these ideas. And it's like, it has a sense of time. And then we have the right side of our brain, which is um, the emotional part of our brain, which is like where emotional memories are stored. And there is no sense of time in the right side of the brain. And so really where trauma comes in, and this is all me regurgitating like what I've learned in therapy. So these aren't my ideas. Um, but what happens is that something in the physical world, can we can have this schism between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain and something in the right side of the brain can get triggered where it's like, oh, I know what this is. And so that's why you can, for me, for example, it's like, I don't get a text back from a girl that I just met two days ago. And I have a full on nervous response, like I'm not well, right? And so my, con my left side of the brain, my conscious brain, my adult brain is like, this is crazy. You don't even know this girl. Like, why are you having this response? But my body is literally having a memory of like, you're going to die essentially, because I'm equating it to being a child and my parents who are in charge of my survival are leaving me. And if you're a kid and your parents are leaving you, you think, you think you're going to die. So your body starts preparing for death, right? And then because that's such an extreme experience, the way trauma works, like I don't want that to happen again. So it takes extra note of it. So it's hypersensitive to anything that's like that because you're like, I want to survive. So anything that even remotely comes close to abandonment 
it's going to light that up in your nervous system. And now you're fully on. And yeah. it's like, cause I'm just, it's fight or flight. The tiger is in front of me now. And I just would have these experiences in dating as an adult where I could see with my conscious brain, like I am not acting in a sane way here. I am not responding to this situation in a rational way. Like this makes no sense. Like I don't even like this person that much. I don't even know this person, but yeah. I am losing my shit here. <laughs> and that was very frustrating for me because I was like, and, and, it would, and then I just have to wait for my, my nervous system to calm down. And so EMDR has been a tool. It's a really powerful tool, but it's been a tool to re like reprogram those nervous system responses, right? And you kind of don't really, the, the, the challenging thing with attachment stuff is you don't really know where you're at until you put yourself in the line of fire, right? So like when you're chilling, you're like, oh, I'm growing, I'm doing so good. I'm learning so much. And then someone fucking leaves you and then you see how you do. And, you know, it's tough because you kind of have to like, it's kind of like swimming. You like don't know how well you swim until you jump in the deep end. You know what I mean? And it is like so challenging because it really is revving up a survival response. Like it can't, can't be understated. And I think one thing that I've, we also talked about last week is I think it's really important also to like, once you've started doing, you know, spiritual work or therapy work, one thing that's been important for me is to not guilt or shame myself around my progress. Right. Like, cause yeah. that only adds to it. Like, Oh, I should be farther along. I know better than this. Why am I doing this again? And that's like, that's kind of like the, the, maladapted parent that I adopted into my brain, shaming the kid that's trying to get hugged, that's trying mm -hmm. to get loved on top of it, right? And I think that that element of it is so important too, because there's this feeling that I should, I should be past this by now. I should be better. Mm -hmm. I, I like, I'm never like, what, what the fuck's wrong with me? Like, and I'm sure, especially, you know, you guys, are both like leading other people you guys are teaching other people i'm sure that i can imagine there's a lot of like i imagine there's moments of imposter syndrome or moments of like you know how can i be you know how is this happening to me i'm got you know what i mean and that must present a whole other set of challenges that i can't even imagine um yeah. But I think it's important to like always meet that part of you. And it's, this is part of it because if you didn't get shown this as a kid, it's not intuitive, but it's showing that part of you even more love and compassion, not further guilt, shame, work harder, be better, figure it out. That is only going to create more like disruption in your nervous system. Um, and really the only way to do it is to do it, you know, it's, and it, like you've said, Jess, like it's messy. Like it's not linear. It is messy. Um, getting triggered is like part of the, part of the road, you know, and the nervous yeah. system is a really, really powerful thing, but it's such a, fr I will tell you this, like it has been very, very fruitful. Like, I mean, I've, I will, t I've gotten sick, like over 10 times I've been doing EMDR for a year. And I do it, I would say 90% of the 
90% of the week. Sometimes we just do talk, but I've gotten sick like 10 times because it like revs your nervous system up and I have these crashes, but it's been great. I feel so much lighter and I'm still like in process with it. But yeah, the attachment stuff is, and I know Jess, you're anxiously attached. Like I am, it's brutal. Like Me too. when you, That's like, yeah, anxious attachment, all... anxious attachment, but here's the benefit of anxious attachment. I will say the big benefit is because it's so painful and so immediately painful, it drives you into the work, mm -hmm. right? I can get jealous of avoidant people sometimes because they just seem to be skating off. Oh, see you later. I'm on to the Having next a great time. Living time. But they don't have the same impetus to do the work. And over time, I think there's a sense of increasing loneliness and confusion of like, why, why am I not with like, you know, and versus because we have this such intensity, we have to deal with it. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. There's this like, we're forced into the work, which at first Another sucks. level of survival, really, right? Yes. Yeah. And we're forced into it. And the work is so rewarding um, that you're like, fuck, okay, I'm glad. It's almost like, it's like if you have celiac disease, for example, you're forced to not eat gluten, but you're much healthier right? Mm -hmm. It sucks at first. You're like, oh, I can't eat bread. But you're like, oh, well, like I'm in great shape and I'm actually healthier. I don't have a bunch of, et cetera, et cetera. And you might sometimes resent people that can just have a donut or whatever, but you'll be healthier for it if you can embrace it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you something? Yeah, of course. Um, do you know, like when you were born, if you were put on your mother's chest or not, right when you came out of the womb? I have no idea. That's a good check, question. Check that out because- I equate my anxious attachment to when I was born, my lungs weren't fully developed and I was came out of the womb and went right into an incubator and was separated from my mom for like a, a while, right? And I was reading, um, now I, I can't remember who wrote the book, but uh, it didn't start with you. Um, the generational trauma, how it could come down. I think it's Brian Weiss, maybe. I'm not sure. But there's a section in it talking about kids that uh, didn't have like that full experience of then being put on the mother's chest after they were born and all the things that um, come from their development of not having that that whole thing. Because I that's like the first, um, like, talk about your parents leaving and you're going to die. Like you're literally coming into the world and this smell and this human and this voice and like whatever. And you don't, you're just like whisked off into the darkness in a sense, you know what I mean? And you don't have that safety come in that for me, I feel like what I was doing when I was unconscious to the, to all of it was just re unconsciously cre recreating situations and pulling in people to play that part over and over and over that comes in and the way I like really in the past couple years started seeing it on a deeper level when it was when the information was like dropping in deeper and deeper was like so when the mother's giving birth like I think it's like the oxytocin or it's like a chemicals released from the brain that's the ultimate like unconditional love 
chemical. So why like epidurals aren't good for women is it actually blocks that from happening. So that ultimate bonding the mother has with the baby through the process of birth up to the mother holding the baby is like the biggest like unconditional oxytocin high love bond ever. So if you're breaking that bond in any sort of capacity, you're already starting that like you're already starting that break in the in the structure or whatever connection. That's so yeah. interesting. So, I've never heard that about the epidural. That's really interesting. Yeah, um Ricky Lake she did this is years ago now it's uh i think in like 2007 it was released somewhere around then uh the business of being born she really it's a documentary she you really like learn all it's fascinating so i just started putting little pieces together after i read the book it didn't start with you and had a whole like i got to that section i was like bawling my eyes out when i when i read about like kids that didn't get put on their parents of like how it disrupts their lives like and things the way they don't work out is easy for them and all this stuff. And then that's when like just learning more and growing consciousness and getting information and um, just really seeing in myself. Uh, that's when I saw that I would pull in situations where I'm falling madly in love or whatever you want to call it. So that the, the, the oxytocin's being released, like it's all so magical. And then something comes in and rips it away. Something comes in and rips it away. Something comes in. And then I'm left in that gutting, like just that, that I'm, I'm going to fucking die. I can't breathe. I'm like falling down the wall crying, you know, what I mean? and it's like, mm -hmm. I barely know this person. <laughs> like, like you're, you know, I don't even know if I like them, but like, I, and I realized I kept unconsciously pulling in to recreate and recreate and recreate my birth basically. And I was like, shit, yeah, that's some shit right there how do we like slow that down and it doesn't need to be so dramatic and that right. we don't need to recreate that trauma. Yeah. Totally. I was doing it my they, whole life. Like every person I could ever tell you that I fully deeply fell in love with and my ex-husband isn't on that list. Ironically, um, they were pulled away from me for one really dramatic reason to another yeah every single one and this is what this is what happens right so this is why it's important to like just have this in our awareness is that we actually unconsciously subconsciously like pull in the very thing that's going to have us like you were saying joe direct our attention to the pain to the wound that needs our attention right so it's not it, it's it i know it i'm the same Sarah Wolf, like I've had the same experience, like anyone that I've been really connected to, like, basically, that's been the result, especially romantic partnerships. And like, it is really excruciating and frustrating. And it's like, again, this is happening. And it's like, we we all have different wounds that we've experienced just from being human on the planet. Like, there's no one that hasn't experienced trauma. So when people say like, I don't have any trauma, I'm like, okay, like, you don't really know what you're talking about. Because even being born is traumatic. And our bodies remember our cells remember. So like, I know people that have been adopted, that were adopted into loving families, right? And they have abandonment trauma, because they were taken from their mother. Yeah. And it's like that thing where it's in your fucking cells. So read the book, the body keeps the score. Like it's in your cells. Okay. So oh, even what happens in utero, you could say you don't have trauma, go to your mom, 
My yeah. mom fell down the stairs twice while I was in her womb, totally. right? Yes. Like and, and, that's uh, where family constellations is really great work too, to do a family constellation session. Cause you can go back to in utero trauma and yeah. heal that because like, what was your mom being abused while you were in her womb was your, you know, was she super depressed? Did, was she in a car accident? Like even that. Yes. And there's a trauma that you don't even, aren't even, even closely aware to that uh, could be affecting your, and that we could do a whole episode on this, but it's like the trauma that's pre-verbal is particularly challenging. So before we could even speak or, or make meaning of it is very challenging because we can't even link it to anything. Right. So we're just having this experience. Like I have these experiences in my body of pure abandonment. That's like, takes me the fuck out. And it's like, I can't even tie it to anything specific. So it's like that, that level of trauma just takes like some special care to really heal. And, but we can heal it in real time. So my work now, and, and what I support people in, in healing this stuff too, like I'm, I'm like doing it at the same time. And then I can help people in such a way because I fucking get it in my cells you know, like I know it in a way that like I've sat across from therapists and like, yeah, they're helpful and cool. But like my coach, Ama, she fucking gets it on a cellular level. And I can feel that resonance with her. She's like, I understand. And that is what I can do for my clients too. Right. Which is why this is like my path and all these things. But, but it's like this deep level of attunement that we need to bring to ourselves and like, really care for ourselves. Like you said, Joe, like not bringing in shame, blame, all the things that like make us bad or wrong. That's like the voice of a critical parent or whatever it is. Like, it's like meeting those places of ourselves because it's touching a wound. It's like really excavating a deep, deep wound that we have. And how else going back to, we pull these people in, we pull these situations in, how else would we access this wound that needs our attention and needs our healing other than that, right? There is no way so it is like divinely orchestrated and planned. And right before the session, I was talking with my coach about like my attachment to building a life with someone and how meaningful it is to me and how I've done so much work around it. And like, I really desire it. And she was like, yeah. And the attachment is what creates the pain. And like, it's like the continuing surrender of like how I think it should look, how I think it should go, who I think it should be with. I thought it was going to be this person. Maybe it's not going to be, it's like, Maybe it's not going to be anyone. Maybe this is and just the timeline, the timeline, the timeline of it, right? By this age, I should be, blah, you know, and, you know, I really desire to be met and create this. And I believe that if I have this desire, it's part of what's going to unfold for me. Cause why else, you know, but it's really been frustrating. So all this to say, like, these things are really delicate and sensitive and they're very serious. Like this stuff can be life-threatening. Like I'm in a program that many of you know, like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. The name is awful, and it like really doesn't, it doesn't portray what it is. But it's a it's it's for people working out this stuff, right? Like relational trauma, and it and it goes all the way back to when we were little kids and how we were how we were experienced love and relating, and how it then goes into our romantic relationships. And it's a really it's there's things about the program that I don't think are wonderful, but there's things that really are. And so all this to say, like, you know, we're, it's, it's deep work, but it, the liberation that you can experience when, when you go through these processes, right? Like the thing that I, that I experienced like a few weeks ago took me out for like 
week and a half. Like I still don't have an appetite because my nervous system was just like, what the fuck? Like, but I'm here, I'm functioning, I'm doing a podcast, I'm sharing about it. Like I'm doing yoga every day. Like this is leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. from where I was before, where I used to get taken out for like months and even years by this stuff. Yeah, I I was actually really surprised of how you've shown back up. Like you came to the sound bath on Sunday, right? So like, like in, in sound baths are the best, by the way. What was that? Sound baths are the best. So good for calming down the nervous system. They're incredible. Yeah, big I do fan one of those in my as house well. Every other week. So if you're ever on a Sunday, if you're ever, in I'm need. very down. Very very down. Yeah, love sound um, baths. Yeah, I love facilitating them, <laughs> but. Yeah. Sarah, sorry, I just don't want to lose this like thought. So Sarah Wolf and I were talking on Sunday at the sound bath about how like, how can we create a practice of deep self-devotion? Like, so for me in this process I'm in right now, right? Like, how can I take this as a fucking pain in the ass, 3D level, like annoying thing and turn it into an opportunity to honor myself, love myself, release shame, release blame, work out whatever I need to work out, see what I need to see for myself and really be so loving to myself. And so Sarah Wolf and I were like this month, we're going to be so devoted to ourselves in a way that like, almost like we were caring for like a little baby or caring for like an animal, like caring for ourselves to that level of devotion. And because when we can do that, guess what? First of all, we're not going to really hang with people that can't really meet us there. And second of all, we're going to feel a lot better. Third of all, we can serve better because we're coming from that place. We can give from the overflow and we're going to invite in people that can meet us there. So like there, but it can be really hard when you're, you have a, like I have a, I abandoned myself and I'm like, I want to like go over here and like be in my phone or like, I want to go out with some other dude. Like I want to like do anything, but fucking love and honor myself, you know, sometimes. Or just but, life even distracts you and you can allow it to distract you, right? Like. You just, this, you have to be here. You have to be there. You have to be here. And then you don't carve out that time for that devotion or slow down enough to, you know what I mean? To give yourself that kind of love and healing and nurturing. Yeah. And I was thinking like how I, how I treat like men, right? Like I'm like, oh, like if a guy's like, if someone's coming over, I'll like burn incense or I'll like put oil on that, on their feet. And I'm like, why don't I fucking do that for myself? (laughs) Like, that's what I'm doing. This It's like eating from the China every day instead of waiting for the special occasion, right? Like celebrating. Like, I, I think I've talked about it before. At least I tell people like, when I go out, like if we're just going to go, let's say tonight and grab dinner, I'm going to throw on a dress and I'm going to throw on heels. And it's not for anyone. It's literally for me because I don't go out all the time that like, yeah, I'm going to dress up. And people are like, why are you so dressed up? It's for me because I'm finally out and I'm like doing something. So like, and I really love to put on a dress and put on heels so that I have something to do when I'm not just at home in yoga pants with my dog doing my work, right? Like, so... Yeah. I don't know. It's like that, that part I've really, I've really like honed in and, and honored myself with that of like, just like, I'm going to go get dinner. I'm going to get dressed up for it. And that's for me. And it's a part of like my own like self-love. Right. Cause I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Like I used to joke that I only wanted to be famous so I could just wear dresses on the red carpet and like have fancy parties to go to. Like I don't give a shit about the rest. It's like want to wear like really elaborate dresses for like, 
<laughs> there's you know? there was sorry there's one thing i uh that i really made mental note of that you said jess and you were talking about um you were talking with ama is that her name your co yeah. your mentor great name by the way i do you know who ama the hugging guru is mm -hmm. yeah, people yeah like, she's amazing <laughs> yeah no that would be incredible but um you know she was talking about it's the attachment to what you want and mm -hmm. kind of like two quotes came to mind that uh, one was whatever you chase will run from you and then the other is when you're looking for something you're affirming its absence and i think this idea is like so counterintuitive to us which is that like we think that we need to yearn for something and want something like yearning will equal it coming but what it's energetically doing is actually keeping it away mm -hmm. and 100%. that that is such a challenging it, it can make sense intellectually but it's very hard to feel especially when you feel like you need something you're like no but i need this thing you know it's like i need it and it's like yeah but it's keeping it away and that's one of those like really challenging spiritual elements of like especially when you get into anything like manifestation oriented or anything like that, they're always like, you need to really want it, but also let it go. Yeah. And you're like, what the like, fuck? How that did you do that? that? Means, I actually just put up a Osho quote yesterday and it says, don't seek, don't search, don't ask, don't knock, don't demand, relax. If you relax, it comes. If you relax, it is there. If you relax, you start vibrating with it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's one of those ideas. So I heard that, I heard that very like in that challenge of like that messiness of like finding that principle of like, because you can also say, well, like I want this thing. Right. So it's like you, and you can sometimes like I've demonized strong desires that I've had where I'm like, well, I'm going to just pretend I don't have it because it causes me so much pain, but it doesn't go away. It's still there. And so it's this challenge of like, how do I like reef? How do I like, create a new relationship with this desire that's intense where it's not this like yearning need desperate and like yeah i want it but i'll be okay without it um okay. and then the other thing that i really like came to mind that i really wanted to share because it's been so 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 useful for me and it actually came from that guy aaron abke um who i highly recommend like his channel his youtube channel uh he's like an amazing spiritual teacher but he talked about, he has this really, really dope analogy for healing, um, where he talks about kind of how you need both the, the divine masculine and the divine feminine for true healing, and that both need to be present. And so he has this analogy of you have a house that's flooded. And he says that, you know, so imagine you have this house that's flooded and all the 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 faucets are running. They're 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 running and they're just running and the house is full of water. And so he says, like, you know, the first step is you need to, um, or it doesn't matter which order you do them in, but, you know, the divine masculine element of the healing would be you need to turn off the faucets. You need to stop the water from going. And so that would, the divine masculine part of healing is you need to change the beliefs. You need to change your thinking in real time so you're not creating new trauma. And so one of the things that I've seen in trauma therapy, especially, is that Besides the actual emotional pain you have, one of the, the hardest elements of trauma is that it creates really negative beliefs about reality and about yourself that aren't useful to you. Um, and those beliefs are persistent. And those are why you keep creating the same things because you have these beliefs about yourself that I like, for example, like I will always be abandoned. Everyone will always leave. So if that's your belief, 
you subconsciously either choose people that you know on some level will leave you at some point, or you will sabotage it and do things to make them leave you to reaffirm that belief, mm-hmm. right? So that the divine masculine element needs to be changed. Like you need to turn off the water. Yeah. Let's say you turn off the water, you still have a house full of water now. It's still yeah. full. So you need to open the windows and open the doors and let the water come out. And that's the divine feminine. You need to process, you need to feel it. You need to do sound baths. You need to cry. You need to journal. You need to like actually feel what you're feeling. And I generally find it's not always on gender lines, but it's usually, it, it generally can be. But like, I had a lot of, like, I was much better with changing my beliefs, right? Like being analytical, I had really difficult time feeling what I was actually feeling and like healing it. So I like all of 2022, I did like five sound baths a week. I got obsessed with those because it started helping me actually feel what I was feeling and like let go of some of that water. Mm-hmm. But you can see how, you know, you can you can kind of be incomplete either way. You know, you can you can be very, very like, you can know all the right things. You'd be like, I believe only positive things, but you can have a lifetime full of water and you feel people and they're all backed up mm-hmm. and they just can't feel what they're feeling, but they they know the right thing and they can tell you all the spiritual teachings and they have all that. And that was me and still probably is to a certain degree, if I'm honest. But then you have the other, you can see the other way too. And I see this a lot in yoga communities, more like spiritual communities like that, where people are always like, Oh, I'm pro- like every time I see them, they're like, I'm crying, I'm processing, but they're not changing their beliefs in real time. Mm-hmm. So it's just, they're letting water out, but more water is coming. So they're always crying. They're always feeling shit. They're always in their emotion and they're not turning off the faucets. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to share that because that was so helpful to me because I really realize you need both. And I find that like, we tend to go to the areas that we're better at, right? So like if feeling our emotions is more comfortable for us, we'll go, we'll double down there and we'll overdevelop there. It's like, if we have one arm, like we'll just only train our right arm and then we'll have this huge right arm and then like a really weak left arm. And so sometimes I think it's important to like, look at where am I underdeveloped and you'll get much more like bang for your buck if you go to where you're underdeveloped. And that's mm-hmm. been really, really helpful. So I wanted to share that because I just love, I love analogies and visualization. So that has been such a useful thing of me like, Hmm, do I need to like change my belief or do I need to like feel what I'm feeling? And they're kind of like both necessary. So I don't know. I wanted to share that. I love that. And um, I know we're coming up to time. So that was like a great, like, you know, drop it in some, this really great analogy and very useful visualization for people and for myself. Like I'm going to definitely have that in my head to check myself. You know what I mean? Um, as I walk through stuff, do you have anything else you want to say, Jess, before we, or Joe, if you have something else you want to get in before, before we, we jump off. I don't think so. I had, I, this was, this was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I feel like we, I feel like there's probably more for us to say, but maybe we can come back for another, another round sometime. Cause I'd love to whenever. Yeah, this was great. Whenever you guys want. There's so much here and. I just, yeah. And my prayer is just like that this reaches people that are having these experiences and that you can have some hope because I think the last thing I just wanted to add was just to tack on to what Joe said is like, when we're in those states, right. When we're in the state of like the nervous system trigger or the trauma, 
what happens is our mind cannot access like another way of being and thinking, right? So it's going to go into the old narrative, the old story. If you listen back to some of our podcasts, we talk about this, like the story that comes in, like, I'm always going to be alone. This is how it, it always goes like this for me. Like it will works out for everyone else, but not me. Right. And so just noticing that narrative and knowing that it's really a lie, it's a nervous system lie, but in that moment to expect yourself to access another belief or state isn't going to be possible because you're triggered into survival brain, right? So you're only going to be able to access what is in that specific state. So if you're in a state of depression or, or panic or deep pain, you're going to find all the thoughts that equate with that state, right? Mm -hmm. state, your state, we're state access dependent, right? So just understanding our minds has really helped me to know like, okay, bringing in, like you said, like the masculine feminine, like logically understanding, okay, this is what's happening in my mind and my brain and my nervous system. And this is why it's creating this experience. Doesn't necessarily mean that I can find my way out of it in that very moment. But now when we're back online, when we're back in our bodies, we're like, okay, hold on, what happened here? And we can do an inventory of like, what's here for me to learn and work on and clear and maybe get some support around it. Like I, you know, I like joke that I have to like, basically hire people for like, like emotional support and attunement. Cause I just don't, I didn't have that for my family and I don't. So it's like, that's where I invest money, but it's fucking worth it because it, it creates a new experience. And what my coach had said to me um, before, when I was in this like cycling, she's like, could you just be open to the possibility that like, there's another experience that you haven't, you haven't had yet. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I can be open to the possibility or like willing to be willing to be open, right? And then just allow life to support you because things will come at like Joe and I had a conversation. I see how held I am. Like I ended up at a sound bath that night and then this woman who specializes in cuddling held me at the sound bath and I was like, okay, like just allowing life, meeting each moment versus like it's the end of the world right? Like moment to moment, meeting each moment, meeting our experience in each moment, attuning to ourselves, surrounding ourselves with people that get it, that can support us. Like all of these things are really important in, the, in creating a new experience in the world. So that was a lot, but I just guess that needed to come out of me. <laughs> so thank I you, Joe, it. so, so much. Yes, and Joe, you, Joe. Joe is no, really was fun. It was amazing. Um, Joe's a really gifted musician and I really invite you guys to go follow him on Instagram and listen to his music because the lyrics are like off the chain. Thanks Jess. It means a lot. Where can people find you Joe? Or do you want to share? Yeah. I'm on, it's Joe Sparrow. Uh, like it's Joe Sparrow everywhere. So YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, um, Spotify, Apple music, but yeah, thanks for that plug. But um, I was just happy to talk with you guys. I love talking about this stuff, obviously. Happy to come back whenever yeah, um, you guys are so great. We. So like, <laughs> like all about it. Yeah, Jess and I are really committed to we doing a show each week. So we definitely have space and time. When I was doing this alone, I kind of just like, I was like, I don't know when I feel inspired, you know, or like come across someone, I'm like, I'm bringing you on the show, but we've really definitely like really made it a container now that, we're showing up every week. So yeah, definitely come back so we can dive in deeper. Cause I feel like when someone first comes on, it's like, we're 
getting into the space and like starting the conversation. And then like, even with Jess and I and her like repeated coming on. So even the weeks that we haven't had guests, it's like the conversation, you know, it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And we kind of just where we left off in that last episode, we kind of pick up, but then we've had experiences shape between, you know, the first conversation and the next conversation. So it's really fun to like, yeah, have repeated people come back. So then we go even, even further. Yeah. And, totally. and, and Joe and Teal, Joe and Teal are like best friends. So we could even have them together. Oh, sometime. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love Teal. Um, I also have some like potential guests I could throw at you guys that I think would love this too. Um, one friend of mine in particular, she, um, she does, she's crazy. She does sound baths. She's a sound healer, but she does Reiki, but she's like for sure psychic, super powerful, like really interesting story. So she might be someone you guys want to talk to. I can, you know, whatever, um, yeah. if not, but yeah, this is a, it's a good time. Thank you, Joe, so much. I knew this was going to be amazing and it was amazing and I can't wait to re-listen and I can't wait for everyone to hear it and uh, we'll definitely come back for another another sesh. Yeah, and thank you everyone for watching and listening and we will talk with you again soon. Bye.